want to share a short message with you this morning and the little bit of time that we have left and remaining this morning. And in our time, as we're talking in this, these weeks about this statement that has become for us very important as a church here and as a community is to talk about community on a mission, what we must be and what we must do in a sense. And, and it's this phrase that we've developed to help us to think through these things and to plan around our activities and, and our life and the, the things that God wants us to be, both be as a community and the things that He wants us to do as a community that has a mission. And last week I spoke a little bit about the, the, just this idea of the, of the church God needs. And you remember the three questions I posed to you and I said, we need to ask God every so often and as part of our journey is what kind of church does God need? What kind of church do we need and what kind of church does the world need? And it's as we answer those three questions that we start understanding what God wants from us in our specific time and place. And today I want to move on and talk a little bit about the gospel the world needs. The gospel the world needs. And um, it, it sort of goes into that second question, what kind of church does God need us to be in? But I want to focus a little bit more on the gospel because ultimately the reason we exist as the church is a big part of that is that we are the carriers of the gospel, both in our proclamation and in our living, whether it's me as, a, as the church individually or us as the church corporately and together, we are the body of Christ. We express the gospel. We become the representation, the, the expression in this world of the gospel, whether we say it, as I said just now, or whether we do it. It's both of those components. And, and I've been thinking about it just as I watch our nation and from here, watch other things happening in the world. And I ask myself this question, what gospel does the world need to hear now? And you may say to me, but that's a relatively silly question because the gospel is the gospel. And I agree with you, and I, I'm so encouraged. I, I, I don't know if all of you could have heard it, but when our brother came during that song in the choir and he preached the gospel to us, wasn't that wonderful? The gospel of the Lord Jesus, that simply put, as he put it, that we, we all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came, lived and dwelt among us, died on a cross, paid the price for our sin, rose on the third day, and we are, can now become members and part of God's household, and we can be saved. That's the gospel. Amen? And that's the gospel the world needs. But sometimes in you, I, when I listen in our time, I hear sort of emphasis placed in different parts of the gospel. And even right now in our country, when you hear the gospel message, and you, whether you watch over television or you just over social media, I, I see so many messages that come across of the gospel. One of the messages that I hear that is represented of the gospel sounds something like this. I am the man of God. God has called me. God has anointed me. And if you come, I will pray for you, and God will heal you. God will restore you, and God will raise you up. If you've got a ministry, I will pray you for you. I will anoint you, and your ministry will be released. And I, if I can't be with you, then you can buy this bottle of water for 20 rand. I prayed over it, and you can take this water home with you and drink it, and the anointing of God will come upon you. Have you heard a gospel like that? I'm sorry for saying, I really, you know, I, I can't even do that. But, you know, there's a gospel that sounds like that in our nation currently, something of that sort. There's another form of gospel which is, sounds something more like, you know, 
God doesn't want people to be caught up in material things. And, you know, God is a God of suffering. And the less you have, the more spiritual you are. Have you heard that gospel? We have different emphasis that we put. And that's from that place that I ask the question, if we as a church in this time want to speak the gospel, what is that gospel? What is the gospel the world needs? And it's not always so straightforward. Can I, I want to do this and just read you a couple of scriptures. I was, the other day, saw a website somewhere of a person that is irritated by Christianity, let me put it like that, and believes that Christianity is inconsistent and that Christianity, you know, is, is a lie, and it gives people false hope, and, it's, it's, and one of the things that they do to show that Christianity is not right and truthful is they will take Scriptures and they will say how the gospel contradicts itself, how even Jesus contradicted himself in some of the things he said. And then they'll use verses like the following. Let me read for you, Mark 10, verse 29 to 30. Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or farms for my sake and or for the gospel's sake, but he will receive a hundred times as much now in the present age, houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and farms along with persecution, but let's not think about that part too much, and, it, and in the age to come, eternal life. What a wonderful gospel message of Jesus. Everything you give up in this world, you're going to get a hundredfold more. Now, I don't have a farm, so, I, you know, does it count if I give up a little piece of ground somewhere and then I can get a hundredfold? It's wonderful. Praise God. But then Jesus says something like this in Luke 16, verse 13. No servant can two serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. Okay? So in the first verse, verse, it sounds like Jesus is saying to us, man, serve me, follow me, and there's a lot of wealth that you could tap into. But here he says, you know, you can't serve wealth. So okay. So people read scriptures like this and they go, now which one is it? Which gospel is it? Okay? Even in the rest of Scripture, and there's many Scriptures like this, I don't have time to go through all of them. Paul writes, 2 Corinthians 9, verse 10 to 11, Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in everything for all liberality, which through us is producing thanksgiving to God. Man, if you want to preach a sermon that sells... You preach a sermon entitled, you will be enriched in everything. I mean, it's the Bible. It says it here in the scripture, you will be enriched in everything. Wonderful message. Paul writes this to the Corinthians. Paul writes to Timothy. But those who want to get rich fall into temptation. And a snare and many foolish and harmful desires which plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all sorts of evil, and some by longing for it have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Which is it? Must I be enriched in all things, or 
is it the grief of wealth? And, and, and if you don't understand the gospel, if you don't understand the full story, as somebody often says, a text without context becomes pretext. If you don't understand the total message of the gospel, it is so easy to start moving one way or the other. You can do that with grace and truth. You can do that with love and judgment. You can do it with any number of things in the scripture that makes up the gospel. It seems to sometimes present to you these opposing thoughts. And how do you bring it together? Not just in concept, but how do you bring it together in my life so that I can proclaim the gospel in this world through the way I live and through the way that I speak and proclaim. What is the gospel that I'm sharing? This little tagline that I've just developed for myself to help define this gospel that the world needs is to say this, the world needs a gospel that gives hope to the needy and challenges the idolatry of the greedy. Isn't it both? It's so wonderful when Andrew shares testimonies and we can all tell stories of the needs of the people in our nation and in the nations of the world. And I watch this thing that we sometimes call the prosperity gospel. It's making a massive comeback in our country right now. Right now, it's, these guys are getting followers like you can't believe. Churches are filled with and it's not just in one segment of our society, it's in all the cultural groups you find that, and, and I think it's because, and observers seem to agree on this, because there's such a real need for hope in people. There's such a real need for people to feel my life can be better, that I'm not caught and trapped in some world with, its, with, with poverty and need, and whether it's spiritual need, emotional need, physical need, whatever it is, people have a deep need, and they need hope. And we have a gospel that gives hope. But what does that hope really look like? Because at the same time, the gospel, the message of Jesus wasn't just giving hope to people. At the same time, even in his time, he was challenging the excesses of money and the idolatry and the greed. Why did Jesus walk into the temple and flip over the tables and act in such an unkind way? Why did he speak so often against these things? How did the gospel throughout the world challenge us, the, the monetary systems of our time that, that is developed in such a way that it, that it keeps certain people just outside? So the gospel has to do this, give hope to the needy, but it also has to challenge the idolatry of the greedy. And our gospel, the gospel our world needs, the gospel our nation needs, is that gospel that brings those realities together. That, that can give hope, very real hope, to a needy person. That can say to a person, we can pray for you and trust God for a miracle. We believe our God is a God of miracles. We believe if we pray for you, you will be healed. We believe that God has financial breakthrough for you. We believe those things. But at the other end also say, but he who wishes to be wealthy will get in trouble. We have to recognize our propensity as human beings to get sucked in by the materialism of this world and by our self-focus and our selfishness. We have to recognize that. We have to recognize that that holds a problem. So how do we do that? How do we come into that space and 
not only speak this gospel, but probably more important in our context now, live this gospel. Where the church of the Lord Jesus isn't just known because it promotes wealth. It's a challenge for us. Uh, there was a video clip that has been going around of a comedian in our country. It's called Pastor Tenjiwe. And uh, she tells you about the church of the people of the Lord with extra cash. How many of you have seen that video clip? And she says literally in the video clip, don't come to church unless you have cash. And we don't take Zimbabwean dollars. Sorry to the Zimbabweans. She says, that doesn't qualify as cash. And this is a, a spoof, a, a satiric thing that she does. But it breaks my heart that the world around us is calling the church on the gospel that we're presenting and saying, your gospel sounds hollow. Your gospel doesn't sound like it's quite true. Or whether it's the other side, it's not only that side, or whether it's the other side, a gospel that says, man, just love God, it doesn't matter. You can be, you know, God, the poorer you are, the closer you are to God. No. What is this gospel? I think of Paul, a man not only so intelligent in his words, but so passionate in his life, that not only did he understand and believe the right things, he did it. And I think of him writing to the Ephesians in chapter 3, talking about the purpose of the church and the gospel. In Ephesians 3, verse 8 to 10, he says the following, to me, the very least of all saints, not the anointed super apostle of God, the very least of all saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unfathomable riches of Christ. The unfathomable riches of Christ. What an amazing word. We have a gospel of wealth with unfathomable riches, but it's Christ. It is in Him that the unfathomable riches are to be grasped. And to bring to light what is the administration of the mystery for which for ages has been hidden in God who created all things. There's a, there's a mystery and the mystery is, part of this is the mystery, how, how the gospel can encompass so much and how the gospel can bring things that seem to be opposites together. That is part of the mystery of the power of God and of the gospel. So that the manifold wisdom of God might be now by me, sorry, <coughs> reset. So that the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known through the church to the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly places. We have been given this task to make known in this world to authorities, principalities, and powers, and to every human being that lives to make known to them the wisdom of God in Christ. In Christ. Christ is our message. Christ is our gospel. Paul writes to the Philippians. He says these words. Philippians 4, 11, 12, and 13. The scripture that Tian's quoted for us earlier that's on those beautiful shirts of the Shinduku choir. Now that I, what, not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. 
For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Paul says, when my stomach is empty, I am wealthy. When my stomach is full, I am wealthy. He also says, when my stomach is empty, I am in need. When my stomach is full, I am in need. Because Christ is the center. Now, I don't have a lot of time, but just give me this moment. A key word to understand in this verse, in Philippians 4 verse 13, is the word through. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Now this verse, Philippians 4 verse 13, how often do you see it on rugby players? They write it on the inside of their, you know, these bandages that they have. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can even beat the All Blacks through Christ who strengthens me. We need all the help we can get. You know, the Sharks, I think, had it all over them yesterday, and the Bulls were beaten for Mark's sake. Come on, Mark, you gave me a hard time. I won't even speak about Manchester United because they don't quote those scriptures. That, you know, but it's this, this idea that because I've got God in my life, I can be victorious. I can do everything through Christ who strengthens me. But to really understand that verse, you have to understand the word through. In the Greek, there's two particular words that is used for the through, dia or en. And they're used in different sentences in different contexts because they convey a different through. The one, if you translate it, a lot of our translations will translate it by, dia, through, by. The other one is translated in, in our language in English, is translated in in some translations, but often they're used interchangeably for, with through. Now, to form a picture of the difference of these two is if I want to go from here to another place, but there's a dividing chasm or a, a, a river in between me and that other part of the countryside, I can get there by going over a bridge, over a bridge. Or I can get there, if possible, in, in our country we don't have many of these, we have some here in the north of Pretoria, but in other parts of there are lots of them, even go through the sea, or I can go through by going in a tunnel. Do you understand? It speaks of the same dynamic, but it has two different concepts. You go over or you go in to cross from one place to the next. So here Paul is saying, I have learned to live whether I'm on this side and I have more than enough or whether I'm on this side and I've got nothing or too little, I have learned to pass between the two. I have learned to live my life bringing these two together so that my life, these two, doesn't make up my position. It's actually what is in the middle here that makes up my position. And Paul says, when he uses the word through here, he uses the word through actually translated in. By a link between these two, which is more like a tunnel, it links these two. It actually makes them become one because Christ is in and he holds me in. Instead of just going over, because sometimes we can use that scripture 
I can do all things through Christ, and it means like some outside power that comes and enables me to deal with the difficulty and gives me the strength and the power to become you know, victorious in that situation. This is not quite what that scripture means. This scripture means that when I'm in the difficulty, I'm surrounded by the struggle and the need, I'm actually in Christ within that. Do you understand? So when or if I am in a place of great wealth and comfort, I am in Christ in that. So whether I'm in wealth or in need, it doesn't change because I'm in Christ. The focus is in Christ. The word in there in the Greek is a, also speaks of a fixed position, not a position that moves. So Paul says, the outside stuff can change, but I'm not moving. I am in Christ. And it is because I'm in Christ that I have the victory. He writes this from prison, struggling, suffering, saying, I'm okay because I'm in Christ. My outside dynamic doesn't change. So what he's saying in a sense also is, my faith is strong, whether I am in need or whether I have more than enough. My faith is equally strong because my faith is in Christ. Not in do I have or don't I have. So those things are, they almost, it's this idea of saying, I can trust God for financial, for health, for well-being. I can trust God for anything because I'm in Christ. But when for God's purposes there are other things going on, it's okay because I'm in Christ. Therefore, Paul says, I refuse to know anything among you except Christ and Him crucified. And this is the gospel our world needs, is a Christ-centered gospel. A gospel that says we are in Christ. So whether we have or we don't have, ultimately at the end of the day, is not the first part of our message. The first part of our message is Christ. Christ. To the needy, to the, the sick, we can say, Christ is with you. Christ has a, has, we can pray for you. We can trust God with you. Christ can change your situation as when we are in Christ. To those that are caught in the greed of wealth, we can say, there's a hope for you. Christ can set you free because it's Christ. And that is where we have to understand and think a bit about more. And even when you in this week may consider this time of our missions conference and if you're still going to fill in this form and this pledge and to think, Lord, I am in Christ. And I want this world to see the gospel through a people that are in Christ, that Christ determines for us our lives. And yes, we can testify of the times where God has done miracles for us. And we can stand up and say, God has been good to us because I prayed and God answered my prayer. Praise God. But do you know I can equally stand up in the time and say, you know, I prayed and I'm still, I'm still expecting the breakthrough, but I am in Christ. It's not an either or, because it's Christ. Christ is that that holds it. So may we get lost in Christ. 
when we find our hope and our place in Christ. And as a church, this is my prayer for us, that we will be a people that become more and more clear in our understanding of what does it mean to put Christ in the center of everything, that He is our hope. Because I think, and that we're not alone in this by any stretch of the imagination, we're not in any place better than anybody else, but I think our world needs a gospel that puts Christ in its center. And, and that's not just something you speak about. That's, it has power because it's what you live. And people can see it. You don't even have to say much. They just go, there's something different because Christ is the revolutionary agent that is at the middle of everything. Won't you stand with me this morning and I'm going to pray and bless you. It is even possible here that this morning that you are here and you've never come to that place in Christ where Jesus, the Son of God, has become your Lord and Savior. And if that's the case, we would love to pray with you. We would love to just talk with you. Even if, if you're thinking and you're not, un come and speak to us and let us just help you think some more. Even if we don't pray with you, but just be able to, to speak with you a little bit. It'll be wonderful. But if we can pray with you and help you in that process and give your heart to Christ and say, Christ, Jesus, I want to live my life in your truth. And we'd love to do that. If you have any need, we believe, we believe in the power of prayer that we will lay hands on the sick and they will be healed. We believe in that. We believe and we will stand with you. And it's been such an amazing thing over the last while and years. There's people that come and I, I, get, I get and I know it's the other pastors also. We get to pray for you and journey with you through some of the struggles that you face. And whether it's in your small group, uh, your life group in the week that people are praying with you. And the, cell, uh, the, the life group leaders and the shepherds that pray with people. We journey with. It's wonderful. It's such an honor and a, and a privilege. But let's stand together and pray and trust God for that breakthrough, for a job that you need, for health, for provision, for whatever, for that relationship to be restored. We pray because we believe that our prayers are answered and that, and that God is here because we are in Christ. And it's sometimes in those moments when we pray together and we wrestle, it is there where we experience what it means to be in Christ. In Christ, the strength that comes from togetherness in Christ. So let us pray with you. But can we just end this time in just a corporate word of prayer. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this time and this place. And if we believe what your word says and we do, then it says that you have specifically planted us here in this time and in this place for a reason, Lord. This is our time. This is our season, Lord. You're looking to us to speak and bring the gospel to this city and to this world, Lord. Others have gone before and they have done their job and they have done well. And others will come behind us, beyond us, Lord, but now it's our time. And I pray, Father, that you would work in our hearts, that the gospel will find in us expression, Lord, in Jesus' name. That the gospel this world needs to hear, the gospel of the hope that we have in Christ. Lord, we pray for that gospel in us, Lord, in Jesus' name. In this community, we pray 
Take hold of us, Lord. Take hold of our hearts in a new way so that we can present the gospel, Father, as a community. We trust you for that. And it's not by our might, it's not by our power, it's by your Spirit and your Spirit alone. Come, Holy Spirit, we need you. Be busy with us as a community, Lord. Speak to us. Bring us into the fuller truth of your word. More and more, we pray, Lord. We submit to you. Lord, I thank you for every person, for the life they live. For every person here, Lord, that puts you first. And it's their endeavor, it's their desire to live for you. Thank you, Lord. And I pray for them that even in this time, as, the, as we've heard the testimonies come from the ministry leaders and the missionaries of a new impetus, we pray that in this church and through our people, through us, in our jobs and in our streets, and in, there will be an increased impetus, Lord, as we go and make disciples and breakthroughs in the lives of people, we pray, Lord, because of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we trust you for that, Lord, for the glory and honor of your name, Lord. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. May the Lord bless you in this week. May his grace be upon you. May his presence just fill your heart and your home. And may you experience just the love of Christ in your life and in your heart. The Lord bless you. We'll see you next week. If you want to come for prayer, please do so at this point in time. Our pastors and elders and leaders will be here to pray with you. Amen.